Hi guys and welcome to the Fight Up Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash as always and um, clearly this weekend we've got two things to talk about. Obviously Ryan Garcia versus Javonta Davis or Javonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia if that's, you know, since Davis won he is now definitely the more significant guy. Um, and uh, I will also be talking about Joe Cordina versus Shafkat Rakimov which was an excellent fight on Saturday night. If you haven't seen it, seek it out. Um, but I will be talking about that I will mostly be just be talking about the main events, you know, I may pick something out from each card to skate over as I uh, as I finish, but um, I will be talking about the main events and uh, breaking those down. So, let's get on with it. We'll start with Tank versus uh, Garcia, obviously, because, you know, that's a big one. And as we saw in the clash of the older, you know, not quite veteran, but long-time multiple weight champion and the young upstart, uh, upstart upcoming guy, it was the uh, the um, veteran-ish savvy of uh, of Tank that uh, won the day, and he uh, he scored a knockdown in the second round, and then he knocked uh, Garcia out with a body shot in the seventh. And Garcia looked limited. Um, the thing with Tank is, as you know, if you follow my you know opinions at all, um, I've always thought that he's also a bit limited. And this didn't really change my mind in that sense, in on the technical level, but um, it did, you know, increase my appreciation of his self-awareness in the ring and his intelligence and the way he uses the tools that he's got. And in this instance, even more so, um, covers off the things that he's not so good at. That he, uh, I think, Tank, what Tank did is a really good job of um, of, of working to his strengths and covering up his weaknesses and finding Garcia's weaknesses and Garcia did not do the right things to um, to get his strengths on the go. So, you know, let's let's have a talk about what happened. Um, this is a thing that, there were a couple of things that started happening pretty much immediately. One which I spotted and I wrote about in my article and one which I'm cadging shamelessly of Lee Wiley here. Um, if you haven't read it, Lee Wiley has a a short Twitter thread with a couple of um, examples of uh, of the things of Tank was doing to meddle with Garcia, but immediately the the battle that started straight away was a battle of sort of jabs and hand fighting essentially, in the sense that Garcia is a longer taller fighter and it was the sensible thing for him to do was to trying to win the battle of the jab, control the space in front of him with the jab, control Garcia's movement with his jab. And uh, most fighters in that situation would try to win the battle of the jab, impose their own jab over Garcia's, or someone like Canelo would, I mean, Canelo does the hard fighting thing as well, but Canelo would be using jabs, that jab as a trigger to come, you know, come forward and throw his own work in that situation. We saw that a lot when he was fighting the likes of, um, you know, Jacobs and, uh, and, um, Kovalev and, uh, Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders, you know, all that, all that kind of thing. And you could have, you know, Garcia has some similarities to Canelo, uh, Garcia, um, Tank has some similarities to Canelo, so you could have seen him do that, but he didn't. What he did was, um, Basically, start pawing at um, at uh, Garcia's hand as he wanted to jab, like just ha- t- tapping it, just tapping it whenever he thought Garcia was about to throw a jab, he would tap it. And this bit I spotted myself, not on my first watch, but I spotted myself. Um, the 
And it did this, you know, this, this had multiple effects. It uh, made it harder for Garcia to jab when he wanted to. You know, like Garcia, um, Tank wasn't trying to score points. He was just trying to make it harder for Garcia to set his work up. And um, so he did. And it also, um, it controlled Tank um, Garcia's positioning a bit. And, uh, you know, it trapped him in place. You know, he'd, uh, he'd uh, Garcia, uh, Tank would stick his hand out and trap um, Garcia's lead hand, his left hand, against his face, and um, this was a South um, Orthodox Southpaw matchup. That's probably important to start with. Um, so you know, Garcia would reach out with his lead hand, which would be directly opposite Garcia's left hand. You know, his, his um, tanks right hand, lead right, and um, he'd trap it to his face basically, and then just slide around a bit um, to his to his own right and. Uh, Garcia's left and just leave Garcia unable to throw the left hook that he was looking for much in the early game um, and you know the, that that was part of uh, I'll, I'll catch that bit of a bit of Lee which you know I should have spot that myself but uh, just didn't put two together he was doing that also to trap the to stop I was going to say to stop the lead hook that's exactly the point um, which this bit I am absolutely lifting from Lee he wasn't stopping the lead hook he was um he wasn't giving, he wasn't throwing the jab much himself. So he wasn't giving Garcia the opportunity to throw the counter left hook, which Garcia loves to throw. You know, if if Tank had jabbed, Garcia would have come behind it with a with a counter left. And instead, he was making by trapping that in place uh, while he was doing it, whatever he was doing, Garcia couldn't throw the counter left. So he would, when he wanted to throw the left, he had to lead with it, and uh, that led that let Garcia. Um, then throw his counters, and you know he had the positional advantage, all of that stuff. Um, and also the thing about you know if you're you're if you're able to control that um, and sort of punishment free trap your opponent's hand when you want to, then when you let go, you know what they're going to do, be doing. They're going to be coming at you, and uh, Garcia was definitely able to use that. Basically, Tank was basically got was basically able to use that very well. And basically, the thing that happened. Um, it was crucial, absolutely crucial for for Tank to um, to get Garcia coming at him, to get Garcia to take the lead, because he's the shorter guy who loves to counter, who's not so hot on uh, when he has to press. You know, he does for me overbalance and uh, leave his chin open and all of that stuff. Um, he absolutely had to get Garcia to be taking the lead, and. Um, and yeah, he didn't just uh, sit there and wait for that to happen. He didn't. It c- could have been a really boring fight of uh, Tank just sitting off and uh, and insisting that Garcia take the lead. And it didn't turn into that because um, he kind of made him take the lead. Like without pressing on him too much, he didn't do anything directly attacking. He just obstructed Garcia until Garcia got frustrated and made him take the lead. Um, and that was, you know, a, went a long way to. Uh, to be deciding the outcome of the fight, um, and there were a couple of other things he did. Like there were, there were moments when, uh, yeah, because you know he he's letting Garcia take the lead, and Garcia is a big physical guy. There were, there were moments when Garcia was able to start pushing Tank back more than he wanted. Um, you know that um, that he'd start getting a bit of momentum, and then Tank did need to kind of get in his face and make him think about you know being a bit more static, and. Uh, you know, normally against most opponents, he would have been just leaping at them with shots. 
And in this one, it was just too dangerous for him to do that. So he didn't. And he did something that was horrendously ugly. And when he first did it, I thought he was panicking. But, um, but as the fight went on, and when I look back on it, um, I'm, I'm certain it was a deliberate choice. Um, he'd just jump in and grab. Because the thing is, the first time he did it, it kind of looked like he'd taken a shot. So it looked like he was panicking. But afterwards, he was just doing it, you know, whenever he wanted Garcia to back off. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't hurt. He wasn't panicking. He was just doing it because he needed to control the space to basically make Garcia blink. Um, but like I say, for me, and you know, I'm not in his head, so I don't know if this is for his thought process. But I think he knows that he, again, he's an aware fighter. He knows that he's not uh, nowhere near as clean, nowhere near as nice with it when he has to go on the front foot. That was his whole game plan was to make Garcia come at him. So yeah, so he just didn't do much opening up and when he did have to go forward he just went yeah okay i'm grabbing you and it worked you know the other big story was um foot positioning um and this is a thing that people have been calling garcia on for years and um i kind of missed it in my previews it's a southpaw versus orthodox matchup and garcia's fought southpaws before and he always takes inside foot position he always um he never really looks to go on the outside with his uh with his foot and uh, people always call this a mistake. If you've, you know, this isn't something I'm bang on about all the time, but you may have heard me say this before or read me say this before. I don't consider taking inside foot position inherently an error um, in this matchup. There are many things you can do um, from inside foot position that are, it, where it becomes advantageous, um, in, involving controlling the center line of your opponent, in, um, involving um, from fucking out their balance. If you do it right, it causes it forces them to go um, to go one way uh, to, to to move to your outside, basically, which is a risk to you. But there are things you can do with it, and um, I think that's what Garcia is doing. I think that he's taking the middle line because he wants opponents to come to his right, uh, to his um, to his left. They're <laughs> they're right. Yeah, he wants. To, he wants to, his opponents to come to his left around his knee hand because he wants to clock them with the left hook as they move. And um, the principle is sound. But if you do it right, is uh, you know is a load-bearing phrase there. And um, against what Garcia, uh, what Tank was bringing, I keep doing that, against what Tank was bringing, it wasn't the right move. It, was, uh, it wasn't well executed because ultimately what he was doing was always throwing it high. Yeah, even aside from the thing about he was having to lead, so um, so every, pretty much every time he threw that uh, that lead hook, um, Garcia Tank was not occupied with what uh, what he was doing. He was fully focused on what Garcia was doing because he didn't have to take the lead, so he was fully focused on countering. And Garcia, especially early on and late on, we'll get to that in a second. But especially early on, he would always throw it high. Like every single time he threw the left foot, he threw it high, and um, and Tank just knew that, and he looped under it every single time, almost. It's ultimately how both the knockdown and the uh, knockout happened. But let's talk about the knockdown for now. Um, yeah, he what he started to do was throw the lead hook and then throw it with the straight right. Like every time, left hook right hand, left hook, right hand. And he did this like three or four times in a row in the second round and by the final time, the first two times, there was one point where he did it three times consecutively. And the first two times, Garcia kind of just backed off. And you know, the kind of, the first time it missed completely, the second time it kind of skimmed his gloves. But, um, but he was just backing off and taking the sting away from it. And then the third time, you knew, you could see, this is the, uh, 
entertaining thing. Um, you could see that he knew exactly what was happening. He measured uh, Garcia up with his... Uh, it wasn't even a jab. He just stuck his lead hand out there. And um, Garcia threw the left hook. And Tank was just grinning the whole way. And he came down under it. And as the right uh, came in, Tank just talked into a left hand. And just caught him flush. And you know, sat him on his ass. He wasn't super hurt. But it was a, you know, it was a big shot. And you know, clear... Well, clear knockdown, obviously. And uh, it did kind of, you know... Garcia got up and recovered well, but it just kind of fucked with his head. And after that, he did start thinking about it. And this is the thing that he's going to find frustrating, super frustrating when he watches the bet. In the third and fourth round, kind of in the fifth, he did start to throw the left hook downstairs. He was still leading with it, like that was happening. But he was throwing it downstairs, and that meant Garcia... That meant Tank could not duck under it obviously and he couldn't just step around even when uh, when um, when he had the outside foot position um, Tank couldn't just step outside because the the left hook was coming and it was just basically controlling um, Tank's posture and movement a lot more and he started you know he started to figure out other ways just he was able to throw a few feints and things like become sort of he was still going forward Tank was still stepping off but he's kind of starting to show that he could he could potentially be a pressure counter puncher where he'd you know come in feint just back off let the distance do the work and um and then catch uh catch tank with something after he threw it and uh and this kind of started working for him he started to get not i wouldn't say he took control but he started to get a measure of control in the sort of fourth third fourth fifth rounds you know he was in the fight but then he decided he had to push harder and the moment he started pushing harder, he just fucking forgot. He just started winging the left hook upstairs. He stopped letting, you know, like I say, the distance do the work. He stopped backing off. He just kept sort of clumping forward. <laughs> it's just so fucking irritating. And uh, and Tank, uh, just, Tank was like fucking joy, happy joy. Um, and at that point, he started to circle more. You know, that back foot movement of his, like, he's really good on the back foot. And he started just, to, you know, as... This may have been part of what frustrated uh, Garcia. He started circling more on the outside, and he also started just spinning him on the inside, like he'd um, he'd use the outside foot position, duck under the hook, and just really spin around. And there were a couple of occasions where Garcia showed surprisingly good ability to turn with him, and kind of clipped him with a uh, with a right hand as he uh, as you know Garcia um, tank would really move around him almost Loma style but he isn't Loma so he'd take a little while to get back into position and a couple of times Garcia he he was off balance but he'd come in just basically with the right hand and um, you know as he turned and he clipped him a couple of times it's a dangerous thing to do but you kind of sometimes have to do it and um, and he started to catch him a couple of times but most of the time it was too it was frustrating for him this whole circle, circling business it's one of Garcia's biggest problems you know I said this in my previews he's got a very long stance and he doesn't deal well being forced to circle um so yeah and uh you know tank was like happy days and then he started um you know start thinking about the finish um the finish itself was um it was a repeat of the same problem to an extent garcia did try to do something new because um he threw the left and uh, tank ducked under it and garcia would just just dropped his hand on tank's head um and kind of held him there for a bit um, with both hands, basically, and that kind of became the problem because the moment he let go of his right with his right, Tank knew that the right hand was coming, and he popped as he popped up, he just went for the um, 
for the left hook and it just landed flush on the liver and it wasn't even that hard a, that hard a shot like I say he went for it but he didn't it was nowhere near as forked into as the um, as he knocked down earlier it, you know it was a solid shot but it wasn't like full on really threw everything into it he just landed a short, sharp accurate shot right on the liver exactly as Garcia was extending um, throwing one of his own you know he landed it but he was already kind of wincing, <laughs> wincing on the way and Garcia knew it was coming um Tank knew it was coming. For fuck's sake, what is going on today? Uh, Tank knew it was coming. Um, and he was also holding Garcia, was holding Tank's head in place. So Tank had to take it. He had nowhere to go. Um, part of the thing there, I suppose, was um, that if you're holding the head in place, you're kind of defeating, taking some of the, I don't know, impact out. I don't know. Um, probably not true, actually. But in any case, um, it wasn't a clean shot by... Um, Garcia and it was a clean shot by Tank and it ended the fight he went down um, on a delayed reaction I've seen people calling it quit and I find that really unfair because um, you know I've never taken a body shot like that myself um, but you've heard it so many times from um, from so many people that a good liver shot just paralyses you like you can't get up and then after it's done you're done you're fine like once you're fine you're fine you're, you, if it had gone on two seconds longer Garcia would have been fine to carry on but um We've heard it so many times from so many fighters who have taken these shots that it just fucks you up. You can't stand up until you can. And, um, you know, yeah, he did. It, it took him 11 seconds to stand up, so maybe he could have done it earlier. But just, just you know, just take... Why would he have done that? Why would he have... I just don't get it, to be honest. Um, you know, sometimes it's going to take 11 seconds to stand up, sometimes it's going to take 20. Um, but just... And, you know, people pointing to other... To examples of people standing up, like when Maidana stood up to um, after Khan dropped him and things like that, and it's like yeah, but those are those are basically exceptions that prove the rule. Because when those happened, we were like, fucking, how did he get up from that? Like, how did he do that? What the fuck? Most of the times that doesn't happen, so it, it is really kind of annoying me. Like people I respect, people I normally agree with, are calling him a quitter over this. And some some people I also don't respect at all. You know, but for all those guys, but yeah, I just don't really. You know, I'm always reluctant to call a boxer a quitter anyway. Um, you know, he got in the ring, he did the thing, he has to decide his own health. But in this instance, it's like we've heard the people who know. We've heard them talk about this so many times. Like, why would you assume that he quit? It just, okay. Anyway, um, for the future, like the thing about uh, the future of a tank is, you know, we're, we can all talk joyfully, gleefully about the winner of Haney Loma or whoever else, um, Shakur Stevenson in the future maybe, all of that stuff. The immediate future is probably jail because he's got that hit and run incident. Um, his sentencing is in a couple of weeks. I think it carries a maximum sentence of seven years, I saw. I'd be surprised if he got seven years, but um, but I would imagine that he'd... Um, yeah, for a little bit. But after that, he's in he's in a good spot. He's a good fighter. He's getting better. He's continuing to improve. And it's, it will be exciting, you know, as a fighter. It will be exciting to see how he does. Um, Garcia has to rebuild and rethink. And he's going up to 140. And he has to, you know, he's not fighting Reggie Progre. He's fighting like that. Um, he has to sort out those basics. He has to sort out those fundamentals. He's got a lot going for him. He's got nice timing in general. Like the, the problem with what he was throwing today wasn't the timing. It was, um, you know... It wasn't even necessarily like the accuracy obviously was off, like he kept missing. But it it was because um he just has a really limited arsenal of punches for some reason, or at least yeah, it was bad decision making, right, right? But like when he 
this is going to sound really stupid because obviously this is kind of almost always true, but um, yeah, when Garcia picks the right target to throw at, he kind of generally lands lands it where he wants to. It's just that uh, he wasn't reading tank, um, you know. He, but yeah, he, his shots are sharp and clean and all of that. He was just doing the wrong thing, and yeah, he just needs to. And it, yeah, he just needs more variety to make his opponents think more. And defensively, he needs to clean it up, and he needs to. You know, there's a lot he has to work on, but he has he has the tools to be good. Um, okay, that's it really. Um, I mean, no, it's not. There's lots more I can say, but I'm not going to um the rest of the card was kind of meh. i watched the main the whole main card um the one i kind of want to mention is beck the bully versus gabriel rosado because um it's just kind of frustrating i mean it was a ridiculous fight that should never have been made um again but rosado beat him last time so they were like okay we can get revenge and he did but uh it was just kind of a boring you know, Rosado wasn't really interested in fighting. He was just kind of trying to set up the right hand. But Beck wasn't biting as much. And Beck, for a guy who is called the bully, he needs to learn to pressure. He knows how to counterpunch, more or less. But he can't pressure at all. And unlike Garcia in the main event, there's surprising similarities between the two. As You know, when he comes forward, he kind of just... he um, he. He moves quite smoothly when he comes forward, but um, but when he starts to throw, it's just kind of big winging shots that with no setup. And he needs his opponents to come at him, and Rosado just wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't great. I'm not sure where Beck goes from here because you know he won, but he didn't prove himself fantastic. Um, yeah, David Morel beat um, Yamaguchi Falcao, who was you know a late replacement no, uh, opponent at a week's notice, coming up from middleweight. Uh, from super middleweight, I think, to I oh, know it is a super middleweight. Yeah, um, he came from up, came up from middleweight. Um, clearly much tighter in the ring. Or just blew him away. It proved absolutely nothing. Um, supposedly he'll be fighting David Benavidez. David Benavidez next. Someone who is as fast and as powerful as David Morel always has a chance. But um, I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's ready for Benavidez. Like on a technical level, he's just not, um, not not quite there yet. He he does really good things, but for me, he takes himself off balance a lot when he's throwing. Like he just kind of, not a long way. You know, he's not hurling himself out of position. But against someone like Benavidez, he has to be in position all the time. He's costing himself his own speed. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to go super into that until you know if that fight gets made. Um, yeah, there's not really much else to talk about there. Elijah Garcia is a 19-year-old um, kind of a prospect. Well, yeah, he seems to be a prospect. He obviously opened the main card. They obviously saw something in him. He fought Kevin Salgado, and opening up, he didn't look ready, and then he kind of toughed it out. Did uh, um, you know? He was kind of looked like he was folding under concerted pressure from like a more experienced guy, and then he kind of just started to give himself a bit of distance to work, and then he kind of took over and won. Um, so it was nice to see, but he also has a lot to work on. I'm not going to, you know, break it down more than that. I am going to move on to Joe Cordino versus Shavkat Rakimov. I was looking forward to this fight. I had to miss it live because I had to sleep to cover the um, the tank fight for um, for Bloody Elbow. I had to cover that. I had to cover that live. I was covering that live, so I uh, I needed to get my sleep. Um, so I missed Cordino versus Rakimov live, which is a shame because it turns out to have been one of the fights of the year so far. I am a fan of both fighters. I've been a fan of both fighters for years now. Um, 
And yeah, they are they are a study in contrast, and they just fit really well together. But Cordina is he is a clean technical like boxer, which is really nice with it. Um, he has been accused in the past by me of lacking physicality. Like he had to move down to this weight. This was a featherweight title, essentially kind of unification. Not you know, basically what happened is Joe Cordina, you may remember, won the IBF belt last year against um, Kenichi Ogawa with a spectacular fucking knockout. Um, and then he got into sparring uh, in his next camp and he injured his hand. And he was supposed to fight... thing is, I think it was Ogawa was meant to fight Rakimov and Rakimov stepped aside to let him fight Cordina. Um, with, obviously, the IPF pretty strict about this, the promise that, um, that Rakimov gets the next shot at the winner. And then Cordina couldn't fight, and because the RBF is strict, they were like, well, you can't, we're going to strip you. Um, so Rakimov fought self and Barrett for the belt, um, and did the Rakimov thing, where he was looking kind of outfoxed early on, and then uh, just kept pressing and pressing and pressing, and uh, also turning Barrett, and Barrett's knee blew out, and he won. Um, Cordina, uh, yeah, that, that kind of gives you a clue as to the uh, style matchups here. Joe Cordina, going back to my point, is typically not a physical guy. He has been working on it and he really needed to because Rakimov, on a technical level, he's some ways off Cordina. Um, he has some nice things, which I'll go to a second, but he makes a lot of lot more errors and he has a lot more limitations. But physically and mentally, Rakimov is non-stop, always on it. And th- that one of the things that I kind of admire about him is He's always kind of losing his temper, but he never lets losing his temper break his concentration. Um, he always, when he, even when he does, you know, what seems to be stupid shit, it's stupid shit that uh, isn't leaving him too vulnerable or more vulnerable than he is already, um, which I will get into in a second. And Cordina is, like I say, this really clean boxer, but um, clean and tidy and highly technical. But he's not a, he's not an outboxing point fighter. He likes to be in the pocket. He can fight back foot and front foot, but he likes him in the pocket throwing combinations and catching things on his garden and countering and all of that nice stuff. Um, so it's two action fighters in very different ways. And it was just a fantastic clash of styles. It just couldn't have worked out better. Um, and Cordina won. Um, it was a split decision. One of the cards was a one on six, one eleven to um, Rakimov, which seems odd, like even being very generous. I think I saw someone, uh, one of the... Um, Bad left hook commenters, I think, uh, summed it up. Um, he would have had to have given um, Rakimov a 10 8 round without any knockdowns. If there weren't any rounds like that, um, he may have just confused the fighters. He may have switched them around in his head. That's happened before, much more egregiously. We haven't heard about that if that was true, but no, it was just odd. Um, 114, 113, 115, 112, much more reasonable. You could have given it to Cordina wider. Um, Essentially, what happened here was uh, Rakimov threw and landed the more shots. Cordina's work was way cleaner. He landed it cleaner and uh, he defended better against what Rakimov was throwing. Because the thing with Rakimov, his biggest flaw is still um, two things. One, his guard is still pretty fucking rubbish. I wrote about him back in 2000, I think it was. Um, and uh, it was kind of true then, and it's very true now. Um, he just makes mistakes with his guard. He's open when he throws up the middle and he's open when he throws around the back. And Cordina knew that and he kind of also stopped getting back into position when he's um 
when he's thrown, uh, when he throws, he doesn't get his guard back straight away. And Cordina was absolutely ready for that. Um, he kept landing uh, right hand. Right, um, whenever Rakimov, who is a southpaw, threw his power hand, the the, the counter right was ready and waiting. And um, and uh, yeah, they're just um, just those little mistakes, isn't there? Is and the other thing is that Rakimov he has improved this a lot. But he does, does still tend to chase and fall into you know he lets his head get ahead of his feet which is frustrating because his feet when he's on it are really good and that was part of the reason this i'm kind of raving a bit uh, one of the reasons this was really good is because he had two fighters whose footwork is really good and normally both of them are able to really get get uh, an advantage over their opponent because they can circle the way around and do whatever they like basically with their feet um and um Sonny Edwards on the commentary. He's a really good commentator, but he, I did, I do think he kind of missed a little bit of a trick here because he kept getting frustrated about Cordina holding his feet longer than Sonny thought he should be doing, um, and not using the full range of his footwork. And I think Cordina spotted pretty soon, pretty quickly, that hey, he needed to be careful doing that because because um, Rakimov once he gets uh, going does have very good footwork, and if Cordina kind of gets on his toes to get away from him and then Rakimov can get around him um, quicker than Cordina could get away um, he could be in trouble so he instead he would and Sonny was right about this he would brace to take shots and just kind of take them I think that was a deliberate choice because he felt less you know he, t- he took more shots but they weren't super hurtful for him at the most part there were like a couple of rounds where he um, where he got properly tagged but um, the shots Cordina was taking weren't super hurtful like he was ready for them whereas the shots he was throwing he was fucking just pretending him reading a lot because he like I say he'd um, um Rakimov would uh, would overbalance and just be walking just leaning into the right hooks and the uppercuts and all, all sorts of nice stuff that Cordina was throwing and, uh, and yeah Cordina was just taking the work a lot better it was just it was very it was a very back and forth fight, but the, clearly the more damaging shots more consistently were landed from for Cordina. And that did occur basically because Cordina was more ready for Rakimov to have the good footwork than Rakimov was ready for Cordina to have the good footwork. Like he wasn't as prepared for his opponent. And this is the thing with Rakimov. It's always been true since the first time I saw him against Zinga Fusile. He doesn't necessarily prepare for his, his opponents. Um, he reads them in the ring and breaks them down as the fight goes on. And he did that against Fuzile and he did that against Alpha Barrett where he took a fucking Shenna King before he broke him down. Um, and, you know, Barrett's knee blew out. Um, and he was aiming to do that against Cordino. And did kind of look, he, you know, he did start coming back into it in the later rounds. Um, like Cordino took a quite big lead, I think. I wasn't scoring like, properly. Um, but Cordino, you know, was dominating the early rounds and then later on he kind of started to slow. And, um, and Rakimov started to get back into it. This was, I would say, a really irritating error by Tony Sims in Cordina's corner. Because early on, he started saying, oh, he's going to tire, he's going to tire, and you'll be able to hear him at will. And it kind of started pretty true in the middle rounds. But if you think Rakimov is going to tire out of the fight, you just haven't you haven't paid attention to the tape you watched. Because there's always the one breaking his opponents down. And he almost kind of did, but Cordina held it together. And I think in the final round, he kind of um, 
put a, put the finer, you know, put the uh, polish on, and uh, probably took the final round and um, you know claimed to fight. But it was just, it's a really good fight. It's a really good back and forth. Uh, um, Joe Cordino, you know, now the IBF champion in a division which is solid and deep for a long way down without you know having any super pound for pound talents. Um, well, you know, Oscar Valdez, Emmanuel Navarrete, Oshiku Foster, um, Hector Garcia, Hector Luis Garcia. There's just a whole bunch of fighters um, who either of them could fight. Who um, There are compelling fights all the way down for both of them. So, you know, just roll on, keep going. Um, other things on the card. Um, I missed the, like I said, I had to sleep, so I missed the... Um, the co-main and all of that stuff. Um, so I missed, uh, it was Gavin Green versus Craig Rudroff and Zelfa Barrett versus Jason Sanchez. My understanding was that uh, Zelfa Barrett was kind of doing the Zelfa Barrett thing um, of uh, letting Sanchez push into him, but then he kind of took over. Um, the one I want to talk about was uh, very early in the prelims. I'm just going to mention this briefly. But there's a kid called Brandon Scott. He's um, fighting 130 pounds, I think. I mean, he this was a hundred. He weighed in 129, but his opponent was a bit heavier, so not 100 sure. But I would assume he's a 130 pounder. Um, he's a big character. He's a big personality. You know, he walked in as Cobra Kai this time, tried to do the lads flip over the ropes, but um, fucked it up. Um, but you know, and then he came into the ring, and uh, you know, bear in mind he's 19, completely unproven. His opponent here was a uh, you know 15.795. This was his hundredth fight, uh, so it wasn't a uh, you know, I'm not sitting here saying he's definitely going to be world class. I would be interested to see if he is, but um, you know, this is a four rounder against a career journeyman. Um, he still hasn't fought anyone with a winning record. It would be absurd. But he's just very nice to see someone who has clearly been a fan of um, of Lomachenko and of Chocolatito, and who understands who those guys were because um, he is very aggressive and loves spinning around his opponents and all of that stuff but he keeps himself defensively sound like yes he takes shots when you're that aggressive um, yes uh, Kajina did land some shots on him but um, but he is taking instead of center line he's got his guard up and the shots he's throwing are super creative um, you know he's just throwing combinations setting shots up with the next shot he throws some really weird shots like there's, there's a couple of times when he kind of span out wide and he threw a hook, a right hook. So that looked like it had to be going behind the head and he just kind of managed to bring it in and just bump it straight down. Um, like it, it was a shot going up, curving upwards and coming down and he just kind of bring it inside and kind of snap it down across his opponent's, uh, the front of his, of Kajina's face. And just, he just does a bunch of stuff. It's four rounds, give it a watch. Um, he just, just does a bunch of stuff that you rarely see. Like Edwards, Sonny Edwards is gushing. Um, you know, he sets his shots up. He makes sure his feints get home before he builds on the feints. That was Coco was saying that. I can't remember who it was. Um, uh, yeah, he just does a lot of really good stuff. And yeah, he was 100% all the time. He may not be able to do that in 12 rounder. We will find out. But, um, I just I enjoyed it. I I was impressed. Um, so yeah, that's it from me for this week. Next week is kind of boring. We've got Williams Zapeda fighting. I mean boring, um, which is not a lot happening. Um, we've got Williams Zapeda fighting. Um, let me just check very quickly for you. Uh, Arboleda. Yeah, Jamie Hame Arboleda. 
I don't even know who that guy, but um, yeah, this is supposed to be Stanionis versus Ortiz, which would have been a fa fantastic fight. He got called off, but Golden Boy needs to make, um, you know, they have to fill the date, so they filled it with this. Uh, Tepeda is from, and he fought um, Jojo Diaz a little while ago. I don't know who Abeleda is, so I can't say whether he's a good opponent, but um, I'm going to assume not, because I think if he was, I would have heard of him. Um, but it's a pain, it's fun. There's nothing else happening, nothing to talk about. Uh, there may not be a podcast next week because, you know, I talk about the fights and um, I'm not sure there's going to be enough material on this. But if there is, I will be here. Um, if not, then obviously uh, whenever that next time is. Um, yeah, follow me on at Crafty Boxing. Follow the fight site at the fight site. Um, join our Patreon, all of that good stuff. See you next time.